0: It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by fantasypoints.com. Top level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Take Talk Podcast. I'm Stephen O'Rourke, and as always, I'm with my co host, Brett Whitefield. And Brett, it's good to be back.
0: Good to have you back, sir.
1: Yes, it was a lovely vacation that I went on. I cannot recommend Portugal enough.
0: So it was Portugal. Huh? So it was Portugal you were in. Yes. We debated internally if it was Iceland or Portugal.
1: Yes, it was Portugal. And we kind of we popped around a little bit. We went northern part and then we went to an archipelago, a little island group that's off the coast. And then we went to Lisbon, did about three days in each spot. And it was amazing. I loved every second of it. The people there are awesome. The food there is even better. And it just like I love cities that are walkable. And that's just all that it is there. It's just wake up and just go wander and you'll find something cool wherever you go. And I love that part of it. But
0: What's it's good. Oh, sorry. I go was going to
1: say, but it's good. To, I'm feeling refreshed and ready to go. It was like the perfect. I went like f- pretty much like full dark mode. I didn't. I think I used my phone a little bit when we were at the hotels to just kind of like keep updated on some stuff. But like I basically told everyone like I went dark I went off the grid, wanted to just like focus on vacation, focus on like hanging out with my wife. Cause I feel like I rarely do that. Like I've always got my head in seven different spaces thinking about a million different things. And so it was good. It was nice to just like completely ignore. Well, I mean, I warned everyone, but basically I completely ignore the world for a little bit and just like focus on that. Cause I like feel like you never, like when do you ever really get to do that?
0: Very true. What was the weather like there this time of year? 65. I've been to Portugal myself,
1: but. It was pretty much just 65 and either sunny or cloudy every day.
0: So no ocean dipping for you?
1: No, I didn't. I thought about it when we were on the island because I looked up the water temp and it was like 63, 64 degrees. Terrible. And I just had forgotten my swimsuit because I was like, I had not planned to, to like take a dip at any point. And they don't have like at least where like where we were on the, isle- on the island. That was where like the water temp was pretty decent because it's basically in line with like northern Africa. So it's a little yeah. bit a little bit further south. Is um, there's like no beaches really? It's all rocks, rocks everywhere.
0: Cabo de Sao Vicente. Uh, we did not make it there. Yeah, it's probably not the time of year to go there.
1: But we did not make it there. I had wanted to. I, we thought about it, but. We didn't have a car and and like when we were on like mainland mainland Portugal, we didn't have a car we did when we were on the Island. And that was bananas driving. It's all mountains. I was, I was in a stick shift Fiat 500 and just like trekking up 65% inclines. Like the feeling where like, I'm looking up, I'm going like 20 miles, 20 kilometers an hour. Cause that's like as fast as I can get it to go anyway, and it's that and and like part of me is feeling like if there's a if there's a glitch in the matrix at any point right now where friction gives out, this car is just gonna start rolling backwards, and we're just it's just gonna cause it cause the Fiat's already shaped like a like a uh, like a semicircle anyway, so it's just gonna go and it's gonna roll, and then that's what it, it was like a very weird feeling and the people who drive there, drive there every day and they drive like maniacs. They are like, you'll, I'll be going up the hill and it's like the, the road is maybe, you know, maybe you've got two feet, a foot on each side of your mirror of road on each side. And there'll be, it's a two way street anyway. And like a car will come ripping down at you (laughs) and they'll just, they'll just yank it into someone's driveway. Like it's nothing. They don't even think about it. Meanwhile, I'm like, panicking as i'm watching this car hurtle toward me thinking i'm just gonna, thinking we're just gonna get smoked but it was it was an exciting experience all around and i can't like i said i can't recommend it enough it was pretty affordable as far as like when we got there pricing and all that like eating out eating and all that was very reasonable i didn't ever feel like we got hosed or anything like that.
0: Europe is pretty affordable in general that's why you yeah in europe is nice it's just the expense to get over there is a little much right right it's actually pretty pretty easy to have a fun time on the on the cheap so
1: yeah exactly uh well sweet steve should should we do you think we should get into this or i think we should get into it i feel like this was a pretty big week for uh for the nfl so far i don't know i'm not i'm not a big Um, dates guy but it seemed like it seemed like there was a lot going on
0: yeah something this thing called free agency
1: i guess i don't know i don't know teams teams trying to figure out what the heck they're gonna do for the next year and going forward some really good moves some questionable moves i mean i think your favorite moves i mean the trade by the bears just to start i think that that like universally is being sought as like a home run trade They got to trade down. They got their, they got two first round draft picks and they basically got a third because DJ Moore has the potential. Now I don't know how, how high his ceiling is in Chicago right now with, you know, Justin Fields and their offense kind of being the way it is. They still need to address the offensive line, but it's, it's a start. It's a start. And it's like, it gives them the capital there. It gives them the opportunity to start juicing up this lineup and start injecting some talent some young talent onto that team that desperately needs it so i loved that one and then i the geno smith re-signing i think was an absolute home run for seattle
0: yes steve neither of the things you just mentioned were free agency though
1: <laughs> i'm getting there though i like just getting, those are like those are the two that i like yeah. really like but then probably the be, like the best one as far as like fit and what they bring to the team is probably Javon Hargrave to San Fran.
0: Yeah, I mean Hargrave is obviously a hell of a player. And I you, you like that one?
1: I like it in the sense that it just makes that front four in, insane. I mean, with the pass rushing chops that he has, which like I San Fran has had some decent talent in the interior, but a lot of it has been more of just uh like controlling the line of scrimmage guys. Like Armstead isn't a super insane pass rusher. And then they've kind of had a rotating cast of guys in there as well. I think Hargrave immediately brings like that much more juice to their pass rushing chops at um just down in and down out. Now, he's still kind of a liability in the run game, but that's Yuck. That's an understatement,
0: but yeah. yeah
1: <laughs> but that's, but that's Here's not my- a huge. That's not a huge concern for San Fran. I feel like they they have a, their linebackers are solid, and they have yeah. enough around him that you can kind of shield him a little bit in the run in run defense.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. If you look at it from what they're going to need to do to beat the other good teams in the NFC, I don't think Harv, Hargrave actually really helps them. Um, I think the, if you play the same game they just played and Hargrave's on the team, I think the Eagles still run the ball for 200-something yards. <laughs> I mean, that's, Which that's so, – yeah, that's but true. Beyond that, Steve, I don't – I think Hargrave's a great player. He's obviously going to make them better. But how much better, I think it's it's it could be incremental because what they're going to now do is they're going to have to play Eric Armstead on the edge full-time, especially on pass-downs specifically. Right. I don't love that for him. He's a much better pass rusher from the interior. In yeah, my opinion, that's I like true. Him. Javon Hargrave is obviously a better three technique than he is a, a nose tackle, which we've seen repeatedly. So now it, it's an interesting situation where you're, t- yeah, you are getting better at three technique technically, but you're, is it? It's probably incremental. I don't know. They're they're also losing a couple other. Good players in that D line, so yeah, I think it was an expensive way of fixing that, and it, and now you kind of have like a embarrassment of riches at one spot. Now, granted, those yeah. three, I mean, they're going to get pressure on the quarterback. Like Armstead can still win outside; it's just not his
1: strength. So I think that Armstead, yeah, he doesn't really bring you a ton on that if you move him outside. I just like that what Hargrave brings as far as just bringing that, continuing to bring tenacity to that defense to that defensive line i think that it's a defensive line you can't really have too much talent and if i'm like if there was a spot that i'm gonna bolster and i'm gonna over invest in that's the spot i wanted that's the area i want to do it in
0: yeah i agree i mean the other thing that's probably i'm probably overreacting to but is like chris kurosak their d-line coach is probably the best in the business true i'm guessing he had some say in this and probably like the fit so if he likes to the fit then I guess I'm forced to like the fit so <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's but, it, it is interesting because maybe and maybe this is just recency bias or I'm you know thinking fondly of previous classes but as far as free agency classes as a whole this one didn't have a ton of like juice
0: yeah I don't yeah, probably that's probably true. There's a
1: lot of like there were a, a lot of functional signings, and there are a lot of functional players who definitely, who obviously can make a team better, but we it wasn't the, the top shelf, well-known people that I feel like we have every we have every once in a while.
0: Yeah, I mean the market may be bearing that out actually, Steve, because you're not seeing any any market resetting contracts, right? Right. Orlando Brown Jr. signed four-year, sixty-four million. That's probably under what I think he thought he would get. Jawan Taylor did get the four-year, eighty million-dollar deal, which is big for sure. But there's not like every year it seems like there's somebody that resets the market for the position. Right? It really hasn't happened. I mean, in, interior O lines kind of this. It's actually probably a, a step down from where it was a year ago. Edge, you know, Marcus Davenport. The best edge available edge defender signed a one year thirteen million dollar deal. Yeah. So there's there's that. The corners, all the corners got less money than I thought they would. To be fair, the
1: corners, uh, even the running backs, I thought would go would get a little bit more than what they got. Like every run, every running back contract that's been signed outside of like franchise tags has been like reasonable. I don't like I'm not looking at it like oh my gosh that's an that's an, a gross overpay or. Like, why would they be investing that much money there? Like, I feel like, like you said, a lot of teams are becoming a little bit more frugal, a little bit more, you know, forward thinking with their with their contracts a little bit more than they had in previous years, which, you know, you and I and Chris were kind of talking about that yesterday, just that it's their teams are being forced to think more consciously of this as like you said, the you'd said in the chat, like quarterback contracts are going way up. And the guarantees and quarterback contracts are going up. Tackle contracts are going up. Cornerback contracts are going up. Wide receiver contracts are going up. Not necessarily the ones in free agency, but those top tier guys, their contracts, the re-signs are going up. And so there's like these premier positions are getting so much more money and are being like GMs are being forced to allocate a higher percentage of their cap to these positions, especially if you have someone in house that they're being forced to like, to not immediately be like, okay, I like this free agent. He's the top free agent. Like, let's just get him in the building. And like you said, reset the market. Let's give him the, you know, the big contract that you think that you think is going to happen.
0: Yep. I think there's a few things at play. I, your first point was that um, the free agency class might not be that good. Which I think is there's truth to that for sure. So teams are being smart with what they're giving these guys. And you talked about the the cap inflation. That's a big deal, and the quarterback market is outpacing the cap market. If that makes sense, yes. Quarterbacks the the amount quarterbacks are getting paid is going up faster than the cap is rising. So everyone's been using the cap as an excuse to give quarterbacks all this crazy money. When the reality is, is we're at, we're actually past the point where it makes sense. So I, I do think that's that's a a thing. Also, Steve, a, a low key thing that's happening, and I think we touched on it a little bit in our chat yesterday. But the the voided year syndrome that's striking the league right now. Void the voided year stuff on contracts is kind of new in the way that it's being deployed right now. Right. It's kind of like um you think back to the use of the executive order for a president. Yes. Super rare, and then all of a sudden. George W. Bush gets a second term. He starts using it like, you know, he's, I don't know, an emperor. He's like,
1: it's like Oprah giving away things to the audience, except he's like executive order, executive order.
0: Right, and then Barack Obama governed the same way, and then Trump governed the same way, and now you're seeing the same thing from Biden. It's like, oh, they, they discovered this, you know, loophole in the the legislative system, so they're using. Well, that's what teams have done with the voided contracts, like the voided years on contracts. They're adding these voided years, and I th- at some point the the chicken will come home to roost, and I think you're seeing teams really struggle. Like the Eagles have been kicking down the can down the road for a while, right? I mean, They've done a miraculous job even keeping the guys they've kept, which is crazy, but they had they also had to lose some guys. Um, the Saints, obviously, every year it seems like
1: they're
0: having to go through gymnastics to get under the cap. So,
1: Kansas City, as well, is another one that, like, always you see, they're like, it's like they have $33,000 in cap space. (laughs) But, real quick, explain just for the listeners and for those who aren't informed, like, explain what a voided year is, just real quick. Because even I, yeah. even I had to ask yesterday, I would like, you know, you hear the term get thrown around and I, like, it doesn't always get explained. So just real quick, explain to the listeners, like what, what you mean by voided years.
0: So the voided year can be done in two different ways. One, when you sign a free agent to a contract, you can sign him to a three-year deal. And in that, you'll con- he'll, he'll have specific numbers in that contract. You know, you'll have a base salary, a, um, a signing bonus, a workout bonus, blah, blah, blah. blah avoided year is a way to spread that signing bonus out for your cap hit. Signing bonus gets paid all at once right. generally. But that signing bonus can get spread out as uh it's the way it affects your cap. And you do that with avoided year. So a guy will sign a 3-year deal, but you'll have uh, you'll tag on a avoided year at signing. So there's actually a fourth voided year. He's not under contract for that year, but say his signing bonus was $12 million. Yep. Now you're spreading the cap hit of that out for four years. So it would be $3 million per year. Gotcha. your cap. So what you're seeing, though, in at nauseum right now is teams using restructures to add voided years. So that's when you say – when you see – this is a big misconception, by the way. Like Twitter, Ian Rappaport will tweet, so-and-so restructured their contract to save X amount of dollars on the cap. Yes. And a lot of people think that means the player agreed to take less money. It's actually the literal opposite of that. It means the player <laughs> agreed to take more money right now. Right. In exchange for it hitting the cap later. And so when teams restructure a player, they are now adding, you know, there's different parameters. I'm not a salary cap expert. So there's a limit to how many voided years you can add, et sure. cetera, et cetera. Sure. Sometimes contract size. But um, so when you see a restructure, though, what that means is a team added at least a one voided year onto their contract and are spreading the remaining si- their signing bonus out, or they're converting base salary to signing bonus. And this that's the most common one. So a player, um, here, here's a good way of looking at it. So let's say you are under contract with the Philadelphia Eagles, and this coming year you have a $10 million base salary. And then, so say your base salary with your bonuses combined, you have a $18 million cap hit.
1: Right.
0: Well, I can then convert your base salary to signing bonus, add a voided year and now I can spread that ten million dollars out for the amount of time remaining on your contract plus the avoided year. So say you had three years left plus I added a voided year. now I can save basically seven and a half million dollars on the cap this year right but I have to pay that in future years right. If that makes sense. so it it's a it's a can kicking down the road process. And I think when you looked at the state of the salary cap availability for each team heading into free agency, there weren't very many high numbers. Of course, you had like Chicago who had like, you know, a literal war chest.
1: (laughs) Right. They were they were in the position where like they literally had to spend money.
0: They actually had to or else they would get they were going to get fired. Houston was in the same boat, right?
1: Yes, they Um, were up
0: there as well. We've been Chicago. I think Carolina may have had some money. Long story short. There was really like eight teams that were actually of functionally above the cap at at the time of free agency at the time of legal tampering. So like eight teams actually had discernible cash to spend on free agents where there was this big group of player, a big group of teams that had only enough money to cover their draft class or a couple operating expenses. Then there was a bunch of teams that were over the cap. But really, there was like at the time of legal tampering, there was like eight teams that actually had money to spend. So I think that's driven the market down a little bit. Now, obviously, a lot of those teams end up clearing space, whatever, blah, 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 blah. That's not the point. Point is, is not a lot of teams had a ton of cash to play with. And you're even seeing this with like the Lions. Right. Who were like in good cap situation. They didn't have a ton, but they didn't. They weren't cash poor either. Right. Even the, they are adding. They're doing some voided years on some of these guys. Yeah. Um, yeah cam sutton's year one cap hit is like three million dollars or something
1: yeah and they just like they like they just restructured um charles harris was another one that
0: that actually was a renegotiation that wasn't a restructure oh okay so he charles harris actually willingly took less money to stay
1: which you don't see that too often
0: that speaks to the culture going on in detroit kaminsky same thing he yeah he was offered more money to play elsewhere he stayed in detroit he took a two-year eight and a half million dollar deal but what's crazy is he has like one million in guarantees next year, and he's only getting paid two million dollars this year. So it's literally a bet on himself contract where he thinks, hey, if I play well this year, I get a really nice raise next year. I
1: respect, I respect that. And so that actually kind of segues into what I kind of wanted to talk about today is everybody's kind of grading free agencies and all like all the moves and all that. What I kind of wanted to do was just Take a look at some of the teams that made some more splashy moves. Obviously, there's teams that make, you know, ticky-tack moves here and there. But you can kind of start to glean what a front off it, like where it's – what direction a team is going. How competitive do they think they are? What what do they kind of forecast their season to be? And so I kind of wanted to just run – like talk about free agency in the scope of what we think we learned – from what we think we learned from these signings yeah. or from these moves, whether it's signing or even letting guys walk and and go from there, yeah. And so the like the first team that came to really that came to my mind because and I because it just kind of surprised me was with Chicago. And obviously we talked about how they had to spend money, but and I but I didn't. I'm questioning the Tremaine Edmonds signing for them. Because everything else about what they're doing makes sense. I think the T.J. Edwards signing was a. I think that was a home run. I love. I really like. I
0: was probably one of the better bargains if I
1: loved that signing to get him basically at like the same value that the Lions got Anzalone at. Mm. I think that was a home run. But then they went and they signed Edmonds to well, it was like I think four years, eighteen million dollars, and that stupid. It didn't make sense to me. Especially after they had just let Roquan Smith walk now obviously Edmonds and Roquan Smith are completely different players, but what do you what do you see their vision as to like why why bring both Edmonds and Edwards in at position at a position that you know arguably you and I are talking about it pretty frequently, but like arguably is one of the least impactful overall on a defense as far as the difference between like a mid-tier guy and an upper-level guy.
0: Yeah, some of it is probably just comes down to they had to spend some money, right? I don't know. I the Edmonds deal is really confusing, but I, I do think they had to spend money. I was looking at their free agency and I was like, "Oh wow, this T.J. Edwards deal—that's a really savvy deal. Super
1: Did savvy. You know? The minute like it was the it was like one of the first to break." And yep. like right away, it was like, "Holy cow! How did they get him for that cheap?" Because did,
0: did they get a two back for Roquan Smith? Or?
1: Yes, yes, they did.
0: So I was thinking, like, "Oh wow, they trade to Roquan. Roquan get a second round pick, and then they they replace him with a good player, but someone who's not going to cost them a hundred million dollars, right. like Roquan the Ravens." Right. So I was like, "What a what an absolute gem of a decision making process there." And then they went and signed Edmonds, and kind of threw all that away. I didn't really did not like the Edmonds signing. I, it just didn't. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I learned from that, other than that they had to spend money. Yeah. They basically signed out of everything, Steve. So far, I mean, it's it's actually crazy. They've signed a quarterback. They have signed a running back. They've actually even signed a fullback. They've signed <laughs> they signed an interior offensive lineman. They've signed a defensive lineman. They've signed two linebackers. They signed a defensive <laughs> back. It's like holy crap. They traded for DJ Moore
1: they're 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 resetting the roster that 100% like i i know we know like they're resetting revamping that roster cuz that roster was old and it was lacking talent and mm-hmm. so i'd like they're definitely trying to get younger i thought they would take like if they were going to make a swing i thought they were going to take more swings as far on like offensive line guys especially in a draft that has that has talent on the offensive line, but isn't super like offensive line talent heavy. I thought that they would take it. I thought they would take a run at like a McGlinchey and some of those like mid, to, like the upper tier offensive line free agents. And I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't. But it, it, like that's what Chicago's doing is they're like I said, resetting, revamping, and I get that. I just think that. You know, you're competitive, what you get to be competitive as a head coach, as a front office, you get three to four years. Yep. And I just don't my only qualm with it is that like I just don't see how Edmonds raises the ceiling of this team over the course of the four years to a level that like I think you could have used that money maybe differently and thrown it at different guys. Still I think that Chicago is doing the right things and taking the right steps to become a competitive team and give Justin Fields a chance. Yep.
0: Which may – this may have been about that too. It's like, hey, we got to – we have to raise the competitive level of the team to actually properly evaluate Fields. Right. And that could have been part of the math too. Uh, you mentioned offensive line. They did sign Nate Davis to a 3 year 30000000 dollars deal to play, presumably right guard for them. Yes. They were also tied to um, – McGlincy, they lost the bidding war there to uh, to the Broncos. But when you look at what the Broncos paid, like okay, cool, I'm I'm probably happy they lost the bidding war. Yeah, that. but that was a lot of money. Um, yeah. Other than that, though, I think I think that it, that is definitely what it is. Like we got Chicago's thinking they got to raise the competitive bar,
1: right? And they've you know they've been very active players in it the, so and far. They probably will be going forward as well. Yeah, exactly, and. I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to try and wheel and deal through during the draft and things like that. I think they have a lot, they have a lot of ability to be mobile in the draft and kind of position and position themselves how they want to. It's a, it's similar to, you know, how the lions were previously where you felt really good about their ability to maneuver and go and get the guys they want and things like that. And I think Chicago has that same type of maneuverability With, you know, obviously their cap room and their the draft capital that they have.
0: Juxtaposing the two situations, I do think there's some similarities for sure, but the one thing the Lions did exceptionally well is they didn't make any long term commitments to anybody in those years of the rebuild. Which is good. They they drafted well, they allowed those guys to step up and play and then you you really get to evaluate your draft classes that way and now and now this was the first year they really actually it's the first year they signed any free agent to a multi-year deal
1: which this is that was the next team that I kind of wanted to jump to a team that again was pretty active and has been tied to a lot of different different names they signed two cornerbacks they signed a running back they've they've been very they've been active you've seen the name floating around a lot you know they were rumored to be a part of the Jalen Ramsey trade, things like that. But overall, they've been active more. And like you said, more active than they've been since Brad Holmes has come to Detroit. And I think that what we Detroit is continuing to send the message of how they're building this team. And it's they are building it through guys that they specifically believe in, that bring a certain culture to their team which i think like cam sutton fit that david montgomery fit that as well i mean he there was a quote from um polls that had said yeah i think it's Polls, right that had said that like montgomery was a huge facet in like keeping the locker room intact during their season this year a season that was wrought with like you know, it was pretty bad, and so like he was a big reason for that. And so you like Detroit is continuing to go after high character guys that have talent, and then they also are continuing to do the thing where they they want to take a chance on an upper tier talent that may have that may have lost their way because of injuries or things like that. In the way they signed Emmanuel Mosley, because mm-hmm. I. The, this contract and what they're doing—it reminds me so much of exactly what they did with the DJ Chark signing last year. It's a guy that has shown he can compete at the at the highest level. He's shown he can be, you know, an upper-level cornerback, like a second cornerback, even low-tier first cornerback. It's just he—he's I mean,
0: he's actually been pretty darn good the last couple of years, and he was on pace to have his best season by far last year when he got hurt.
1: Right. And he's been, you know, he's been affected by injuries a little bit. And they're taking a flyer on a guy that you know, he I think a lot of guys are seeing the culture that's being built in Detroit. And it is. He's taking a bet on himself of like after the I think I'm gonna overperform over this year what I've shown and I'm gonna get a better contract next year. And that seems to be what Detroit likes to do is they like those one year prove it deals on guys that have shown to be like have shown to be solid NFL players and they've also shown that they're not going to overspend or they're not going to chase a guy just for the sake of chasing a guy yep so that Detroit's Detroit is just continuing to show what what we've what we've believed them to be and it's it's impressive because I like I feel like this is a free agency period where everybody wanted them to really go in all in heavy and yeah. they haven't totally done that. They've they've obviously dipped their toes and gone after a couple guys with Cam Sutton, Mosley, Montgomery. But those of I've we why you kind of walk away feeling like those are pretty sensible signings and pretty good.
0: Oh man, when so I mean I'm I'm trying to remove my bias, but like I, I don't think a team has had a more impressive offseason. We we talk <laughs> needs by the way like they aggressively attacked their biggest need which was cornerback yeah I think what that tells you is this this team this regime they feel like they are ready to win which everyone would agree with the the yeah. window for them to win something has opened and they couldn't as much as we all would love for them to also draft a quarterback a cornerback at six or 18 or whatever the reality is is in a, in a season you're hoping to exceed expectations you're not going to go into that season hinging everything on a rookie cornerback. No. You're just not going to do it. No. So they double dip, they they hit it out of the park with the Sutton deal. And then I think Mosley is the best signing of free agency so far. For the the risk reward potential is absolutely massive and it cost them 6 million bucks. Right. It's like compared it to the Clark signing. 100% true the the only difference is i would say mosley's best football was at this stage was better than chark's best football Yeah, and that's I mean, Mo, mosley has definitely been a number one corner fantastic player when he's healthy so and I, everything you hear too is that he's recovered well from the acl i think the last formal update we had gotten about mosley's injury was around playoff time yep uh the his trainer the 49 er staff and a doctor all said that he he would for sure be ready by training camp, and he might even be able to participate in OTAs, which like just massive, massive dub. So I, I think Detroit is really another good example of this too, of them telling you that they're ready to win is the Jamal Williams swap for for David Montgomery. Could they have easily brought Williams back at a three or twelve million million dollar deal? They could have. Absolutely. What they said is, we kind of want to upgrade the position. Like Jamal, we love you, but. We want, we actually want to upgrade the position. And Montgomery, like, it's really hard to measure the intangibles Jamal Williams brings. It's like, it's impossible, especially for guys like you and I. Like, yeah. We're not in the lock. We don't know. So th- there's value there for sure. But on the field, from an on the field standpoint and player performance standpoint, you cannot deny that David Montgomery is a massive upgrade over Jamal Williams. And he's three years younger. So I'd much rather have a 25 year old on a three year deal than a 28 year old on a three year deal.
1: Yes. Um, Jeremy Reisman actually put out a tweet this morning, uh, just kind of his final thoughts.
0: Excuse me, hold on, I have to correct you. Friend of the show, friend of the show,
1: <laughs> and uh, and former former guest, probably a guest that we'll see at some point later. He actually he made a great point of. I he said I don't know if Jamal Williams ever reaches what he did this year. And I feel more. I feel confident that David Montgomery's best season is still ahead of him. And I thought that was a. I thought that was a perfect way of putting it, of the Lions got the ceiling, like the ceiling performance out of Jamal Williams last year, and that was huge. Yes. And he was a huge catalyst in what the culture is and what the team is going to be. But now you're taking a bet on a guy who can, who has a higher ceiling and can go above and beyond and i and and i thought that that was a great way of putting it
0: yep and jamal like i've had a lot of people in my mentions or dms even ask me well do you really think david montgomery is going to score 17 touchdowns this year it's like no and i don't (laughs) think Jamal Williams is going to either that's why it was a franchise record yeah because it's rare and and it's not like, like i don't want to take anything away from jamal so i don't want to play this devil's advocate game but the reality is he had he led the NFL in goal line touches. Okay, when that happens, you are going to score touchdowns. Yeah. It's especially behind that offensive line. Yeah. Jamal obviously has a skill to get in the end zone. That that is a skill. Being a good goal line back, understanding how to find creases and keep your legs moving, yes, that is a skill. But he didn't score seventeen touchdowns because of that skill alone. He scored seventeen touchdowns because he led the league in goal line touches. So, um. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think Montgomery's going to score 17 touchdowns, but I think he's going to produce very well in every other area. The fact that he's a three-down back, Steve, is is an interesting because obviously we know they've been frustrated with Swift. Jamal was not a three-down guy and, and to the point where he he wasn't great in pass pro either. Montgomery's probably the best pass-protecting running back in the league. Yeah, He's got good hands. Um, and for a guy who gets knocked for his lack of explosiveness, when I was watching the tape, Steve, I was very surprised at the amount of passes he caught downfield like not talking checkdowns not talking little you know h5s over over the middle of the field (laughs) right he actually like plenty of wheel routes all kinds of scramble drill stuff like he caught a lot of passes downfield i was very surprised by that really really nice soft hands had had good enough explosiveness to beat linebackers on those routes so uh,
1: And and having a guy like that change changes how you deploy your offense too because now you have two guys that are versatile in both the running game and the passing game. Yeah. Swift,
0: yeah, you don't have tells anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly, and that—that's yeah. what he—that's what he provides. Jamal Williams. It was. It was kind of a tell of like, well, if we take yeah. a guess on a run, we're probably going to be right more than we're going to be yep. wrong, and that's a that's a that's a fine bet on our on a defense's part.
0: Yep, and even if it is a pass, we don't really have to account for him. exactly. <laughs> so.
1: Moving on right. to the next one, I want to talk about what in the world is the Raiders' plan? What do the Raiders <laughs> want to be? Who? What are they trying to do? Because absolutely none of the moves that they made seem to even correlate with the others. It felt like a it, – it honestly feels like watching an 11-year-old play Madden and sign free agents that he likes because of because they play for his favorite team in real life. That's what it kind of felt like. Like, why they go and sign Jacoby Myers when you have Hunter Renfro in the building. You let Derek Carr go, but then you sign Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you trade Darren Waller for a third-round pick, which that, I think, is kind of a... I don't know, I don't hate it for both sides. I don't love it, but... Again, just like altogether, I cannot figure out what direction the Raiders are trying to go in. And I don't know how much runway Josh McDaniel is going to have. Because it's so nonsensical.
0: I'm surprised this is surprising to you. This is this is what Patriots dudes do, man. They go. They're a, a wrecking ball. I
1: know it's.
0: It's a covert operation by Bill Belichick to destroy other franchises and keep the competition level low. I mean, the
1: Patriots are kind of right there with them. I have no idea what the Patriots are trying to do either. Like, I honestly, I was going to pair them together just because it's funny that like Jacoby went from the Patriots to the Raiders, but then the Patriots just went and signed Juju Smith Schuster, which again, it's like there's just two teams that made splashes in free agency, but they didn't make a. I like they don't make a ton of sense to me.
0: Well, for the Raiders, this you know what they're doing is they're getting they're just getting Josh's guys. This is what they all do. Matt Patricia when he came to Detroit, he didn't sign anybody but New England guys. It's yeah, it's, li- it's literally what they do. So he brings in Jimmy, he brings in Jacoby Myers, he even brings in Philip Dorsett.
1: Yeah, he so would a- he signed him for a year.
0: Yeah, So like he's bringing in his guys. He's gonna run his offense. Um you know, we're gonna trade Darren Waller because we can't run a team without making false enemies, you know, because we're we're insufferable people that <laughs> I'm just I've had it with these guys. Like when when are they gonna stop? When is the league gonna stop hiring had, New England?
1: This has to a, be the last straw. Like it I like it has to be. It really does. Because this is I mean
0: What's the Raiders gonna go in the Super Bowl? Yeah, out? right.
1: I, I'll eat my hat live in front of everyone. I will eat a hat live on camera for everyone to watch if the Raiders win the Super Bowl this year. And that, I will hold myself to that because, like, it, it is like the Matt, I mean, Matt, you think of Matt Patricia in Detroit and just like some of these Charlie Weiss back in the day, like some of these guys, it's just like they're, they just make, Yeah, it's just like I want to try and create the team that I had that I just left.
0: Flores in Miami, Joe Judge in New York. It like the list is honestly endless. It just just, it's always happens. This is what happens.
1: Yeah, and Um, so like just to go over it, Jacoby Myers getting signed, three years, thirty three million. I think twenty two million guaranteed at face value in a vacuum, a solid signing. Jacoby Myers is a solid player who can bring who brings like like a good slot receiver to the team. So in a vacuum, as far as like contract numbers go, like that's a good signing. I liked it, but I don't like it for the Raiders because you already have a slot specific guy who operates, you know, in the five to ten yard range. Who's a good route runner who can, you know, get you those hard yards in Hunter Renfro and. So now you just they just doubled up it with and I don't even know if there's a plan to move from Renfro or what happened. I know he like he obviously dealt with some injuries last year, but it just it like it doesn't make sense to bring in a Jacoby Myers. Yeah.
0: Well, and, and not only that, like uh, Darren Waller was like not really an inline tight end. He also played in the slot, yep. so they were collecting slot assets. Obviously, they've now ch- uh, traded Darren Waller. Yep. Cool, whatever.
1: They don't, which like they don't even have a tight end in the room right now.
0: Well, yeah, that's true. What are they going to do with Hunter Renfro now? What are they going to, Devontae Adams plays in the slot some too. What, like, what, what's, what's happening?
1: Like,
0: 12 personnel? Well, what tight ends are they going to use? I mean, it's, (laughs) it is really hard to see what's happening.
1: Yeah. And, like of all the receivers to go get, like I think a Darius Slayton or a DJ Chark that would have made sense to me. Yeah,
0: to replace um,
1: to replace Hollins. Yeah, yeah, it's like an, it would be an upgrade and a guy who can you know who's who's younger, who has shown that they can they can um, make plays, especially with like some not great quarterback play. Like Slayton's been, he has some hands issues, but he's been solid. Playing in New York with Daniel Jones, who up until you know this year and even then has never played that great. And DJ Chark was in uh, was in Jacksonville through before Trevor Lawrence came along. And he always he, he had a couple blow up years, and even last year he looked good in Detroit when he was healthy. It just it's a team that they I like the guys that I felt fit for them and for their needs, um, they just didn't go get.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, did they have they done anything on defense yet? I don't think they have. Have they?
1: Nothing that I've nothing that was splashy enough to Jerry Jerry Tillery. Yes, that was it. Tillery. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, not a lot of defensive signings, which was like abhorrently their weak spot last year has been their weak spot for the last five years. And yeah, their, their big splash signing was going and signing Jerry Tillery, who is like slowly leaking out of the NFL as he gets his last, 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 last chances with a couple teams here and there. Um, the, we'll talk about one more team and then we'll get you out of here because you have a million things to do including releasing a draft guide tomorrow which is going to be insane but the last one that i that like caught my eye is a team that upgraded a position and and we're kind of staying in the nfc north here but um the vikings i liked what they did at cornerback a team that again like they had a very defined weak spot last year on their team and the cornerback position was, was bad. Their pass defense overall struggled. They were the worst. I mean, they were one of the worst. And at times they had, they had a stretch where they were genuinely like one of the worst in NFL history. And they went and they let Patrick Peterson walk. They go and they get Byron Murphy. And then they also uh, bring in um, Isaiah Oliver or Josh Oliver. Sorry.
0: Which one? Tight end Josh Oliver.
1: So Isaiah Oliver is the cornerback, right?
0: Yeah, he went to the 49ers, I believe. Then, my, Unless I'm mistaken. Where is he? Now I'm... Isaiah Oliver is... Yeah, the corner from from Atlanta, the big slot corner. He went to San Francisco.
1: Oh, that's... I made Josh a mistake. Oliver. I was reading it wrong. But either way, I liked the, the Byron Murphy signing was more so what I was trying to get at.
0: Yeah. Where was that? The, the Murphy signing... Is interesting because the Vikings need a lot of help in the secondary. They obviously released Cam Danceler. They let Patrick Peterson walk. It's tough. I don't know how much Murphy's going to help them. They need a lot of help there. Uh, Steve, would I almost feel like I'd rather have Peterson back for two years, fourteen million? No, or do you like the the versatility Murphy gives
1: you? I like the versatility and the youth that Murphy brings. Yeah, it's a two year deal, though. You're not use isn't as important, but no, but I think I, Patrick Peterson, I don't think he has a up, like he's on his way down. Murphy's I think can still ascend a little bit. Yeah. I think he There's has the a, ability to take another, to take another step. Yeah. That's true. To add, you know, add to a team that like they play a lot of play, a ton of cover three in their, in their defense. And I just think that he offers the ability to just bolster a secondary that needed something, it needed anything, and that's where that that's where I kind of feel that I like I like Murphy over Peterson is that Peterson was there last year, and I don't think that he added too much to it. I think at least Murphy is a shakeup who can bring again more athleticism. I think Peterson, you started to see him lose a step. His yep. he's he's technically still very sound, but his overall athleticism is starting to slip and i think that's where murphy offers a step up in the athleticism and the step up in the, like a little bit more playmaking ability for the vikings
0: yeah i don't disagree with that i mean pete the cover three they run really helps peterson kind of get back to a, a sustainable level of cornerback play but he was a liability on on vertical concepts for sure Uh, Murphy will give them some flexibility, too. So even if they go draft an outside corner, maybe they like Murphy in the slot. Or if they draft the slot corner, they can keep Murphy on the outside. I do like that component of it. The other moves they've made, though, have been weird. I think the Josh Oliver move was the weirdest one of the entire offseason so far. Three years, $21 million for your backup tight end. You're going to have to pay Hawkinson probably market-setting money next year. Yeah. Or is that this? Yeah, next year. Hawkinson's going into year five, right? Yes. Yes. So uh, that extension might even get done this offseason. I don't know what they're thinking. They gave up a second and a third for Hawkinson. It kind of seems like they probably shouldn't value tight end two that much.
1: No, especially after like the Irv Smith experiment failed. It just didn't work out. And and again, like that's you brought in you brought in Hawkinson. To not have to do this exact thing, and so like the offensive move, yeah, that I don't, I don't like that one. But the um, I like taking a flyer on Marcus Davenport, and I like bringing in Byron Murphy. I think that yep. that off again, it's a de- it was a defense that needed something. The offense will see they re-signed Madison as well. Yeah, but they they're did. not. It doesn't look like they're bringing back Dalvin Cook. We don't know yet. I, they
0: have to trade him, and they have to find a partner to trade him. True. Well.
1: Which that's, I mean, that's another section for another pod. Everybody asking for some for teams to go and trade a running back, like it's not that easy. Like I've like 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 for example, I've seen it with the Lions. Everybody, like, I've seen a bunch of fantasy people who are like, now trade DeAndre Swift. It's if if it were that easy, I don't think he would be in Detroit anymore already. He yes, he's not going to spend an extra minute here than he needs to. Yeah, so mm-hmm. like
0: I, I I love. I've seen a lot of famous people tweeting free DeAndre Swift, and I'm like, free him from what? <laughs> his, his weak mentality, his his inability to play through injuries, to, to his inability to sack up and play through injuries. Is that what you want to free him from? Because if so, we're waiting.
1: Yeah, and if you like, the, he's never going to be a bell cow. Stop right. stop imagining he's going to be a bell cow. He's not. He can he can hardly be a half cow <laughs> get it <laughs> oh my uh. goodness um i love oh, I go free, for free stuff. agency does bring out a lot of good takes and because this is take i did have to talk about this i think my favorite thing i saw this week was and it was just I, I saw it a couple times on twitter from like not anybody reputable but just like fans throughout you know twitter a couple times i saw people who are jumping on and being like, can't believe my team signed a guy that's sixty five overall and a guy that's sixty seven overall. And I love that there are people out there that can, that grade their free agency signings based on Madden rankings. That is my favorite piece of information that I saw this week.
0: I almost, I've never, I haven't seen this personally, Steve. That's a hilarious, thought. hilarious, <laughs> and it gives me an idea. I almost want to start a burner account where I just troll everyone on Twitter with under the context of Madden ratings.
1: Oh, it'd be so much fun
0: and trying to argue with people and win arguments based on Madden ratings. Oh,
1: it'd be so much fun. I mean,
0: like, it would be so and it would be a great bit. Someone has to do that if it's not going to be
1: me. And I, Yeah. Who knows if, the, who knows if these people were trolling, but I saw a couple and I was like, this is so, I, I love this like that. To just like on if you unironically are sitting there and saying like I'm pissed at my team because we went and signed you know guy X and I you I I caught him on Madden because he's a 69 overall like why are we bringing that guy in the building I love that mentality and I think it's hilarious and I wish I could live that just free and loose with my opinions.
0: <laughs> that is hilarious. All right, let's tie a bow on the Vikings and then get out of here. But real quick, do you know what the Vikings are going to be next year? Do you know? They're going to be underdogs. Speaking of underdog, (laughs) have you seen underdog fantasy football yet? 2022 NFL season is over, but the fantasy football season never stops at underdog fantasy. The easiest place to play fantasy football. Right now, you can draft an underdog's The Big Board Tournament with $1 million in total prizes and 200 k given to first place. Think you know which un- incoming rookies will burst onto the scene in 2023? If so, now's your chance to draft them at a value. All you have to do is join the big board, draft your fantasy team, and that's it. In best ball, there are no waivers, there are no trades, and you get the best scores in your lineup every week of the season. Whoever has the highest score at the end of the season wins. Just head to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or the Google Play Store. Sign up with the promo code FANTASYPTS, and you will get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Oh, and there's more. Sign up using the code FANTASYPTS at Underdog, and you'll get a Fantasy Point Standard subscription for just 5 bucks. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code FANTASYPTS, and remember, new Underdog users who sign up with our code – Get a
1: fantasy point subscription for just five freaking dollars. All right. They're still getting away with that, huh? I thought I thought we were putting an end to that, but they're still getting away oh, with that. Yeah. Um, you went and
0: it stopped it stopped the protest. So
1: <laughs> minor plug yeah. though, I know that our guys at Fantasy Points do, do a live are gonna do a live show on or a live show live stream on Wednesdays doing best ball drafts. Uh, I advise to night, right? what? It was last it was last night. Yeah, but they're gonna be doing
0: is it what what day of the week is it Steve? it's thursday i thought it was friday nah. yeah so wednesday night yeah. 7 30
1: yep tune in chris whack scott barrett and Graham bar i'm sure Graham barfield will hop on a couple yeah, like thomas C.
0: like the producer of the show he's he jumps in there as well yeah it's good it's good content uh chris and thomas really know their stuff i'm not so sure about that scott guy though
1: <laughs> we're still trying to figure him out a little bit I'm trying to figure scott out but
0: so. um well Yo, I'm sure we'll Steve uh, I want to say one thing about the Vikings yes what their signings have shown me is I don't think they think they're ready to win I think I think they know last year was a little bit of an anomaly one-year deal with Davenport two-year deal with Murphy these are like Band-Aid type moves not uh not let's push the cart forward type moves so I don't know that's that's my take you, you wanted to know what I thought we were learning from these moves that's what I think we're learning from these moves
1: yeah and I I think I agree and I think that's incredible self-awareness if that is their view because not a lot of teams can do that not a lot of GMs can look in where not a lot of coaches can do that knowing the backlash the potential backlash that will come with you know regression yep like it's, they know they're going to, they know they're going to hear it from the fans because not everybody's reasonable and can understand that their one score record was absolutely absurd last year. And what they did is so hard to repeat that to even make a bet on it would be pretty insane. Agreed. And so good. I mean, that's why I like I wanted to highlight them because I think that it's, it it is that is like their self-awareness of what they what it seems like they think going into this year is pretty impeccable and something that you don't often see. A lot of times you do see that where it's like sh- it's like shit we just won this many games we have to go all in. We're there. We're right there. Yep. Not potentially understanding that hey you got a little fluky here and there.
0: Yep. Yeah, and I think you know their their GM is supposed to be you know, very analytically driven. He probably understands that the real way to build a team is through the draft and he's not going to get carried away with, with free agency. So I think that is probably a positive, but anyways, that, that's, uh, I feel good about what we talked about, Steve. Why don't you get us out of
1: here? Yes. I think that we have so much more to talk about going forward as the offseason continues, everybody look out tomorrow for drop, uh, for Brett's draft guide to drop. It's going to be, massive it's going to be informative it's going to be awesome you can poke fun at him whether you completely disagree you can you can shout from the mountaintops how insanely correct he's going to be and how he knows everything um and also to supplement that don't forget to listen to Brett with his on the clock podcast which is every day up until the draft and he this week Dude, you had just five knockout punches in a row for guests. Just an insane lineup. And so I, like, cannot stress enough to our listeners that if you're thinking you don't get enough of Brett to voice in your life, especially now that he's upgraded his sound and he has that Ooh. ASMR voice going, it's even more pleasing to listen to. Like, go listen to the On The Clock podcast because he's got, like I said, he's got some insane guests. He had Nystrom on. He had... Um, He had PFF Steve, Chris Wecht appeared in the beginning of the week, like just
0: Danny Kelly tomorrow.
1: Danny Kelly tomorrow. He had um, Ian Cummings on, like just an insane list of guys. And so, like, please read the draft guide tomorrow. Listen to his podcast. Continue to listen to our podcast. Brett's also tweeting more at BG Whitefield. Go check him out. He's tweeting, you know. stats from our fantasy points data that's going to be coming out soon and it's and a lot of like scouting videos it he it's very good and then you know i'm starting to try i'm trying to up my tweet game now as well so please give me a follow at call me steve07 and yeah we're just getting started this year the off season is just getting started get excited it's going to be a lot of fun and we will see you all next week and we are out